Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, March 16th, 2017. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Bill's Story. We are on page 15, and we will be reading the first full paragraph on page 15. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Therit L., the 12 Traditions, Jody E.Q., and our text readers are Marie J. and Terry H. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, March 15, 2017, the 10 a.m. meeting is 9726. 9726. And the share ID for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting is nine seven three zero nine seven three zero OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no issues, no we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Out of Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Sarit L. to read the 12 steps for us. Hi, it's Sarit L. from Montreal. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message 
to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sarit. And I will now ask Jody E.Q. to read the 12 traditions for us, please. Good morning. This is Jody E.Q. in California. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody EQ. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Bill's Story. We are on page 15, and we will be reading and discussing paragraph number one, My Wife and I Abandon. And I will ask Marie J. if she will read it for us, please. 
Thank you, Monica. This is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. My wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found out that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. Ah, this is just such a great paragraph because it, it tells us how we stay there, how we stay in recovery. We get there with the steps and we stay there by working with others. And before participating in, in this big book study on vision, I was really resentful and, and resistant to sponsoring because I felt incompetent. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the instructions. I didn't understand it. And then I got in here and I started understanding the big book and working with it. And even then I was still a little afraid to sponsor because I, I didn't know the big book as well as other people and I couldn't articulate it as well. And I would say those things to my sponsor and I actually had a sponsee say that today who's getting ready to, to sponsor, you know, I'm just not as good at you as, as understanding the big book and articulating it. And I thought, well, that's what I was afraid of, but how do you think I got there? And that's how my sponsor got there. We practice this and we become a sponsor because I wanted what she had. And so in order to do that, I had to give it just as she gave it freely to me, I had to freely give it to others and work to the best of my ability. And I didn't have all the answers, but I'm not supposed to have all the answers. I have the instructions and I share my experience. And so it's not hard to sponsor. We have the, the, the instructions right there in the book. And sponsoring and working with others also gives me a chance to get my um, – Check, check on my vulnerabilities and check on my ego and to make sure that, you know, my addict wants to be in charge and my addict wants to run your, your life and be your boss. And, and these are character defects that come up during sponsorship. And it's so great because I get to work and continue to grow in my own recovery and, and look at these issues as they're coming up in the moment. You know, it's not my job to run your life. It's not my job to be your caretaker as a sponsor. It just keeps me relying on God for the answers. And the answers are in the big book. The answers are in prayer and meditation. The answers are in the steps. It gives me the chance to continue to practice surrender and asking for God's guidance and humility in being um, willing and able to share my own experiences. And most of all, it keeps me in conscious contact with God. Just paying attention always to abandoning my thoughts of what's right for you and to helping you to work the steps to find your own way to your higher power. So I want you to have what I've got. And my sponsor lovingly gave me what she had and she had freedom and she had the instructions and she taught me. And this is my primary purpose is to continue my recovery by carrying the message and it's a really straightforward, simple solution. Carry the message, work with others through sponsorship, through sharing, through being vulnerable, and remain rec recovered. Remain recovered and help other people to get there. 
So, you know, I just want to shout out, we can, we can all be recovered. We can all stay recovered. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Marie J. And I'm now going to open it up. And who would like to share on the first paragraph here on page 15? Lauren N. I'm sorry, I didn't hear your name. Lauren N. Lauren. Amy G. Nadia B. Nadia. Jody EQ. Jody. Colleen R. Was that Colleen? Yes. Colleen. Debbie Y. R. Debbie Y. Okay, this is what I've got. I've got Lauren N., Amy G., Nadia B., Jody E.Q., Colleen R., and Debbie Y. Lauren, it's your turn. Am I unmuted? Can you hear me? I sure can. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, good morning, visionaries. So, so happy to be here. So happy to have you in my life. One day at a time, I am... Um, Whatever. I'm absolutely grateful for this program. Um, this, this message that is, is so clear that if you help others, you get out of yourself. Um, I, my, my addict wants to control the world and wants to be in charge and wants to have everything under my control and until I get out of myself and pick up the phone and call others and be in service, I am in my addict and I'm not doing what this program teaches and not doing what this book tells me to do, to stay clean. And when I do, I can stay clean. And it's not up to me. It's up to the way this program works and up to the way the process of this fellowship is. And I am so thankful for this. And my life has become so much greater because of this. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren N. Amy G., uh, you're up, and then it'll be Nadia B. Good morning, Monica. This is Amy G. Can you hear me okay? Sure can. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, I'm Amy G., recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I was not too well at the time, and I was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink. But I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Um, excuse me one second, Sassy. Um, you know, I, the, it's so interesting to me that I found out that this program, it seems so contrary to what I always knew or what I thought I knew prior to program, which is, you know, if I had a problem, then I needed to focus on the problem and I needed to fix me and I needed to do all this stuff for me. And what I found was that when all else failed, my, the way to feel better was not to focus on me, it was to help you help this still suffering compulsive overeater and you know when I'm in recovered now that I'm blessed to be recovered and I I'm so sorry I have a dog that seems to be going crazy um 
that the, that when all else other measures fail, that when I focus and get out of myself, as the first sharer was talking about, that I find a way to find peace with myself and contentment just by being a listener, just by reaching out and helping another still suffering compulsive overeater. Do I have to be the perfect sponsor? Absolutely not. But I can be a listener. I can be a good listener. And as others have already said today, I can learn how to be a better sponsor. And also that we don't wing it. We don't we don't wing sponsoring alone. We we also um, you know, if we have questions, we I always say ask another recovered sponsor. I don't make up things. I don't pretend I know things that I don't know. I know that first off, I need to be a good listener. I answer the best of my ability based on my experience. And if I don't have that experience, I ask another recovered sponsor. I don't make things up and I don't wing it. But back to this idea of the idea of getting out of myself. Remember, the big book says selfishness, self-centeredness, we must get rid of it or it kills us. And by looking outside of myself to serve another, I continually reinforce what this program is saying for us to recover, which is to get out of myself and to serve the self-suffering compulsive overeater. And in the process of doing that, I receive so much because then I continue to recover. I continue to stay spiritually fit. I must not forget that part of my spiritual fitness is serving another compulsive overeater and carrying the message to them. That is a huge part of my daily spiritual fitness. You know, I'll just wrap up by saying I went through a very difficult time that lasted over two and a half years with my husband and I in a situation that we had going on. And it went on and on and on. And the only thing that helped me in that despair was to pick up the phone and see where I could be of service to the self-suffering compulsive overeater. It was the only thing that got me out of myself and it stopped me from obsessing about it and gave me peace to know that I still had purpose in this world, I still had things that God wanted me to do, and I still could be of service. And it brought clarity and centeredness to my day where I could trust and press in through this situation. Nothing changed in that circumstance in that moment, but by picking up the phone and serving someone else and getting out of myself, I was able to find peace in that day. And that's what this is about, one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Amy G. Nadia B., it's your turn, and then it'll be Jody E.Q. Thank you so much, Monica. This is Nadia B., grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut. And uh, I didn't have my big book uh, on me. And uh, as, someone, as the reader read, I um, wrote a few words down that really spoke to me. And um, I wrote, abandoned with enthusiasm. Helping another. Fortunately, I found little work. Um, work with another saved the day. Design for living. Lift it up. You know, those are all such a positive, positive um, words. And, you know, who can say, fortunately, I found little work in that time. And, you know, for me, um, today, I, I know how fortunate I am to have this disease of compulsive overeating. I am so grateful for it. You know, as a result of it, I see things differently today as a result of um, working through um, this hard time, this, this, this um, you know, tough um, disease. But, you know, for me, this book is just another book. Um, it is just words. It's just another book on the shelf until I experienced it. 
um, you know, this this book, AIOA, doesn't have a monopoly on spiritual experiences, but it does have a perfect recipe. Um, and that recipe is just the beginning. That's the beauty of it. And, um, you know, when I first started uh, helping others, did I want to help others? I don't know. I don't remember. I remember being afraid and um, not feeling worthy or, uh, you know, knowing exactly what I'm doing. But as I've experienced it more and more today, you know, I see things differently because I experience um, different, um, you know, my sponsees or my greatest teachers, people that, um, you know, come for help for me, uh, you know, um, going helping people, other people with ten steps. What a blessing! What a blessing! Um, and it is just the beginning. How much I am changed. Thank you for this program. Thank you, everyone, for being here and you know guiding me every day as I listen to this meeting. You know, this is such a blessing and guidance um, for me. And I experience things differently every day. As I am working on this, I am so fortunate. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. Jody EQ, you're up, and then it'll be Colleen R. Thank you, Monica. This is Jody EQ in California. Grateful to be recovered today, not cured. So he says, Bill, I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Well, that just says it right there, you know. Working with another alcoholic, with another compulsive overeater is what saves us. This is a spiritual truth. And we it, it's a spiritual thing that working with another will save us. I believe that's because we are part of the human family. And when I isolate myself, I'm, I, I separate myself from the whole, from the spirit, from my higher power, from life. I shut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. And when I connect, when I reach out and offer my help, then I'm joining with this, the, all of, all of, humanity, all of the spirit, and I get the power that I need. This is the power that I don't have on my own. I must join into the collective of compulsive overeaters to get the power that I must have. And I'm reminded of the bedevilment on page 52. In the middle of the page, it says, we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help 
to other people. And that's exactly what turns around when we begin to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters, when we begin to sponsor. What promises to turn all of that around? What a wonderful thing. And I, for one, and I know all of us who get to do this, are so grateful to be able to turn all of that around. Thank you, God. And with that, I'll Thank you, Jody EQ. Colleen R., it's your turn, and then it'll be Debbie Y. Good morning. My name is Colleen R. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Step 9, um, but for the grace of God, thank you for your service. Um, I have found these steps miraculous in in the shift that um, they provide in the way I exist in the world. And um, one of my old ideas, abandoned, smashed, um, that I must give up, is um, that I'm, I'm going to be comfortable. Um, I love in this paragraph that Bill is um, mentioning enthusiasm and the abandon and, and also uh, the spirit with which his wife joins him. And he also mentions being plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. Um, I am not a double negative. I'm not not plagued by that. Um, The difference is um, I realize it's moments that that it is actual waves, that the waves are finite. And this program teaches me to stay, to stay no matter what, to um, follow the dictates of my higher power, and it is my experience amidst these waves. And, and thank you, God, for the experience that the words um, are finally becoming part of my being. Um, that in connecting in service with another fellow, that uh, God transforms um, my self-centeredness to service. And I honestly... Ooh, excuse me, I wouldn't be um, in the sunlight today without these directions. So despite fear, I follow directions. I listen to my sponsor, and I'm always, always listening um, to God um, and even telling God I'm having a hard time listening. You know, can you, can you be more explicit? I'm here, and I'm scared, and... Um, Yes, it's a design for living that works in, in rough going. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm ever grateful for the benevolence that recovered people um, show me as I, I, I learn to walk this path. Thank you. Thank you, Colleen R. Debbie Y., it's your turn. Good morning. Thanks, Monica, for your service, and thanks, everybody, for sharing. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to the shares so far. Um, I'm recovered in Vermont, and um, I really could relate to this um, paragraph uh, in the fact that I've just recently retired, so finding uh, some extra time on my hand, and um, sometimes those waves of self-pity and resentment come in, and um, I just really... Um, see that this is where HP comes into play here with the 
uh, energy flowing from one compulsive overeater to the next. And yesterday I had the opportunity of doing some service and I walked, and this is after being snowed in for a couple of days, and I walked out into the air and thought, oh, yes, thank you, God. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm so glad to be here in this program. And the fellowship and the friends and the fellowship, as it says in the next paragraph, are just amazing, and I'm so grateful to be able to, to be on this line. Um, so that's all I have today. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Debbie Y. All right. Um, we are on, if anybody's come in here, we're on page 15. We are discussing the first full paragraph, my wife and I abandon ourselves. And is there anyone, and would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Penny C. Penny. Sylvia. Courtney B. Sherry Sylvia. KB. Oop, I'm, I'm lost, yeah. <laughs> I've got Penny and Sylvia. Sherry KB. Sarah? Sherry KB? Carrie. Sherry. Carrie? Sherry? Sherry. Oh, Sherry okay. KB. Woo. All right. I think I got it. Sherry with an A, with an S. <laughs> Either way. All right. Penny, Sylvia, Sherry, and there was somebody else. Was there a Courtney? Courtney B. Courtney B. And did I hear someone else? Terry H. Terry? Okay, anybody else? All right, this is what I've got. I've got Penny C, Sylvia F, Sherry KB, Courtney B, and Terry H. Penny, your turn. Hi, good morning, Monica. Thank you. And, um, boy, this paragraph really speaks to me this morning more than more than the many, many other times I've read this, this uh, Bill story. Um, I was plagued with, I was not too well at the time and plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. Um, And, you know, the situation I'm in, um, having had four weeks of trying to do what I'm supposed to do to recover from a broken tibia, um, which followed three months getting better from back surgery, and... um, you know, and, 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 and plagued by by um, waves of self-pity and resentment, um, they come in. They come in very easily. And thank God I know what I need to do um, to, to avoid that. Uh, one of my meditation books I read every day says that, um, that the closer I draw to my higher power, God, the farther I am from that pit of self-pity, and I know what that's like before I came to this program, the the pit of self-pity that just couldn't get out of. And I know now that the way to uh, get closer to my higher power, one of the very, very strong and wonderful ways is to be in touch with my, my fellows and to be offering to help other people and it just came to me yesterday that penny you need you need to make more outreach calls you need not to talk about your broken leg or the situation you find yourself in eight more weeks of putting no weight on that leg not being able to drive oh my gosh 
you know, I, I need to work with others to avoid that pit, that pit of self-pity. And it does draw me closer to my higher power every time I reach out to try to help another suffering compulsive overeater every single time. And so this is a lesson for me today that what I need to do, and I know it's, it's, I've got a list, I've got a list of, of, you know, 3,500 people I think we're up to or somewhere near there that I can call, not, what does it tell me in step 10? Not, not call and talk about myself. No way. You know, to, to reach out to other people when I find, and, you know, and help, help other people when I find that I'm, I'm dangerously close to that self-pity and resentment that are such enemies. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. Sylvia F., it's your turn, and then it'll be Sherry KB. This is Sylvia F., recovered in Northern California. Um, Thank you for being here in your service, and glad to be on the line with all you visionaries today. I, you know, I wanted to talk about the, you know, the plague, uh, waves and plagues of self-pity. And I hear from so many people, and I've experienced this myself, is that, you know, we work through steps one through nine, and we start living in 10, 11, and 12, but we're just starting. And we have this impression, and I think it comes from all of us, and it probably comes from glossing over the big book that we're going to do these steps and we're going to be fine. We're just going to be recovered. We're not going to, and we could even hear that, you know, life is still going to happen. And we go, sure, sure. Yeah, I know life's going to happen. But Bill is describing that he worked through these steps and he did this, you know, he surrendered and he did this. He, you know, he, he gave himself up to his higher power and it's just still not easy. And, Somehow we think that if when we get through nine and it's not easy, we've done something wrong. And, you know, it, it, this is such a spiritual and psychic transformation that we're making, you know, and it says sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. Mine, mine was slow. It was like peeling the, la- the, the leaves of the onion back and I'm still peeling it back. And it does get easier. I mean, it, it definitely gets easier. And then life happens and you hear all of that. But those first couple of years um, were not easy for me. And I kept on thinking I was doing something wrong. And, you know, I always think of it as going into the gym. First time I go into the gym and I try and pick up a 40-pound weight, I can't do it. So I have to start with slow weights, but I've got to do a lot of repetition. And if I keep on doing that repetition on a daily basis, which is what the big book tells me to do, it gets easier. And pretty soon, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing bicep curls or whatever with the 40-pound weights, and I don't think about it because I have built up to this. And so, um, yeah, my experience is, is that the book tells me I have to do this daily. I do this daily. And because of that, my recovery gets easier. My neutrality gets easier. I, I'm in my head less. And it is a daily practice. Um, it's a miracle, but it's not the kind where, you know, the fairy godmother comes along and taps you over the head. Yep, done step nine. You're, you know, you're cured. It's not like that. And, um, and it is better than being in the food any day. 
and it is possible for all of us. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Sherry KB, it's your turn, and then it'll be Courtney B. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you for your service, Monica. Um, Wow. Um, I love this paragraph. Um, Abandon ourselves. My wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm of the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. You know, that's what's so interesting is that, um, you know, a little history here. You know, uh, Bill's wife, uh, Lois, was the founder of Al-Anon, co-founder with um, A&B, which was Dr. Bob's uh, wife. And so not only did, you know, Bill and Bob go out and help other alcoholics, but how many people have they helped you know, with a you know domino effect, and look here I am today, and here we are today on this phone uh, meeting. And if if they hadn't gone out to help all these alcoholics, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. So that's amazing to me. Number one, um, and then this thing of waves of self pity and resentment. I know that you know this is my the waves of self pity and resentment are all the things I was eating over, and you know my disease. Um, you know, that's where my disease lies, is is my self-pity. My my food is down, I'm recovered, I'm abstinent. But just because I'm abstinent doesn't mean I'm recovered. And if I'm not in the working the steps, if I'm not helping other people, um, the waves of resentment and pity will will manifest even more. So a way to keep them down is to work with others. And this is all about step 12. And... Um, I um, just know that even when something life is happening, because life is going to happen, there's no, there's not a guarantee that when we go through this this book and we go through the steps and we get recovered, that life's going to be like pixie dust, as some people have said. It's not going to happen. But the thing is, is that we have a design for living that that changes these things that we can go out and help someone else, and that's what is amazing to me because I I do have waves of self-pity and resentment but I know how to take care of them now I have a skill set that continues to teach me how to deal with this and deal with my life and I am just so grateful and it's amazing you know walking through things in life and I know what to do now and just that it does I do get uplifted when I when I go help someone else or when I'm working with my sponsees it, it is a joy. It is. It is wonderful feeling that useful, and I'm so grateful and so grateful to my higher power. So I go to my higher power first, and then I help others. When that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Courtney B., it's your turn, and then it will be Terry H. Courtney, we can't hear you. Star one to unmute, please. All right, maybe there's some technical problems going on there. So, Terry H., how about you? Are you there? Terry H., did you call Terry H., Monica? Yes, I did. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you. My name is Terry H., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And I just want to focus in on um, two of the lines here in this in this beautiful paragraph um, where it says, this sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. And then the other line I want to focus in on is, it's a design for living that really works. 
in rough going. So, you know, here we are, you know, Bill's recovered, he's doing he's done the stuff, you know, he's left the hospital and now real life is starting to happen and my experience is, you know, when we get recovered, recovery is not not it's not a straight line. Like life is gonna happen, it's gonna come in. But the good news is, you know, I don't have to pick up. And um, I think it's interesting that Bill always, he always repeats himself in a different way. And where it says it's a design for living that really works in rough going, you know, that's the second time he mentions it. You know, on page 13 at the bottom, he, you know, he says, my friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. And then, you know, at the bottom of 14, he says, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessary, necessary of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs, particularly it was imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works is dead. So faith without action is dead. So now Bill has a solution here, and, you know, he knows that working with others is, is, is the answer to his problems because he has, he can go back to the drink and um, be full of self again, or he can lean into this new power and help others. And what I've learned is faith is the result of faith. Um, and by doing this work and, and really, like, getting out of myself by helping another, you know, um, what I've learned through this, um, tomorrow, you know, they'll, they'll be talking. So the design for living is the second second time they mention it, and tomorrow he'll be, living, he'll be um, hitting on the joy of living. So there's a theme here through this whole book about helping others and working with others and, what I've learned through my experience is eventually the, the numbers will fall off the steps and it will become a way of life. And the stuff just comes, you know, I have to bring a willing spirit every day and um, get out of self. So thanks for letting me share with that pass. Thank you, Terry H. And Courtney B., are you there? Courtney B., star one to unmute. Okay, what, uh, I'm going to open it up for more people to share. Who else would like to share? Hi, th- hi this is Meg Carly S. I Two of you came in at the same time, and I didn't catch either name. Hi, I'm Meg S. Meg S is in Sam? F is in Frank. Oh, F, okay. And then who is the other person? Carlisa C. Carlisa? Car, Lisa. Car. Yes. Lisa. Let's see. Okay. You have to you have to bear with my old ears. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. Meg F, it's your turn and then it'll be Car Lisa C. Go ahead. Hi, this is Meg F. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everybody, for being there. Meg S. recovered in California. And I just really wanted to get up out of bed and (laughs) figure out how to orient myself enough to speak today because I just wanted to say that this paragraph really saved me in the spiritual awakening part. Like, I always wanted a Bill W. spiritual awakening, burning bush thrown from the bed, you know, like struck abstinent is what I wanted. What I wanted was to have a big enough spiritual experience that I could still eat brownies. Like I knew if God really talked to me that I would be able to do all the things I wanted to do with food and I wouldn't have to do any work and I would just be different. And it, when I read this, like this is our 
you know, the founder, and he had a spiritual awakening that we all kind of chat about and think about and maybe envy. And still, he's just so plagued, and he is in trouble, and he may relapse. And that he had to just do what the steps said in order to get through it. You know, he had to write them, and then he had to think about them, and then he had to do them. So I was really very, very delighted to find that I really wouldn't have been able to eat brownies if I had that kind of spiritual awakening. I'd still have to work. And so the work is just as available to me with my kind of spiritual awakening and my kind of slow growth. And I also wanted to just say the part about how he's plagued by waves of things and he feels incompetent and he doesn't, he thinks, you know, going back to despair. Um, if he had done that, where would we be? So his self-doubt was so profound. And if he had stopped there, if he had thought like I do in my perfectionism, oh, I'm not very good at this. You know, I won't be a good sponsor. I won't be useful. Um, if he had stopped with that, we wouldn't be here today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Meg F. Carlisa C., it's your turn. Hi. Thank you for your service. And you have great ears at any age, so you heard me. Um, I am grateful to be, I too am grateful to be uh, able to share on this, this particular paragraph because, again, I want to, I'm not cross-talking, but I want to echo this whole idea that, yes, Bill had a sudden and profound experience in the hospital, as he calls it, or impact, his impact, God's impact on, on him was sudden and profound, but that is after the third hospitalization that we know about. And that's after his drinking through all of that time and, and ending himself in, um, a, you know, the most desperate straits. Then, because he has uh, perfected or is perfecting honesty, thank God he writes the paragraph in page 15 and beyond where he says, yes, <laughs> we started working and many the time. I was not too well at that time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment, which kind of resounds throughout this whole book and especially on page 62 where he talks about selfishness and self-centeredness and being um, plagued by a hundred forms of fear and self-seeking and self-delusion and self-pity. I mean, these are constantly echoed through this literature and that the only remedy to that is to maintain spiritual fitness. So here's our founder having a, the, oh, I got another minute and a half. Uh, our founder is being honest about his process, and, um, and the only answer for him is to work constantly with other people like him. And in that work, as his lovely wife observes, they might not be staying sober, but you are, which must have been a great pleasure for her. Um, and uh, a miracle for her. And I guess I, I too just want to say that I think sometimes in, in, in hearing the presentations or my presentation of what happened to me, I can gloss over the hard day-to-day -day work it is to maintain spiritual fitness and how easy it can be to start resting on one's laurels, but we again are cautioned about that um, because we are headed for trouble. We do not have a cure but we have a daily reprieve based on spiritual fitness. And with that, and that's straight from the man himself, um, I will pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Carlisa C. Who else would like to share? Lisa R. Lisa R. Courtney B. Courtney. All right. Okay, let's go with that. Lisa B. Lisa R., you're up, and then it'll be Courtney. Hi, I'm Lisa R., uh, recovered and happy, joyous, and free in Baltimore. And I am going to just say that everything that everyone said about this paragraph is just wonderful. And I I can't really add to it except that, um, you know, for the person coming out and starting to sponsor the, the greenhorn that has gone and done the hard work, they get so discouraged when um, life on life's terms throws them a, you know, a curveball, and they don't feel, you know, they they still have the struggles. And I tell everyone, everyone who is recovered that I talk to, um, suggest that they ruminate on this paragraph and keep it close to the vest because, you know, here's our founder. Here's the, the, the guy that, you know, pretty much authored the book. And he is telling us, look, I, I had this. This too shall pass if you get to work and you get to helping a fellow and step out of yourself. And, you know, we have to be there. we got to be reminded. As somebody said earlier, you know, he had Lois to tell him, you know, but look, you're still sober, so we need to keep reminding each other and encouraging each other that, yeah, but, you know, this, these two sponsees that, that tried to hook up with you, they fell, fell off, but, but you're still sober. So um, it's just a beautiful, you know, I have the entire thing underlined in my book, and, and I just love that paragraph, and I'm grateful to share. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa R. And Courtney B., we're glad you're back. Courtney, Courtney B. B. Yes. There you are. Yay. Yay. Courtney B. California. I know. This, oh, what an interesting. I came in place, of course, with fear, self-pity, and doubt. My plan for living was to just do it myself. Don't depend on others. Guide up. Don't trust. But I read it, and I was convinced service would be a good idea. I just didn't want to have to interact with you guys. So I decided I, I will set up, I'll bet, go early, turn on the heat, set up the chairs so I could be of service but not have to interact. What I didn't count on were people coming in to the room. <laughs> people would come in, is this where the meeting is? Uh, yeah. And that's how I got to know people. Oh, my gosh. And it kind of made me giggle now. My plan for living, eh, it wasn't so great. But somehow helping others, said me, and then somebody said to me, get right in the middle of this, Courtney. Hold on to any service position. If it's just literature or setting up the chairs, get in the middle of this and let it work on you. And so when somebody had called and said, can you pick me up at the train station to take me to a meeting, my first reaction was, no. And then I said, of course, of course I will. And, and when somebody asked me to sponsor, my first response was, I, I, I want to do that. That person's nuts. But I said, okay, and I have just so fallen in love with this person. So I'm grateful that God had to work with me little at a time. Trick me into it is how I call it, but I'm so happy that he did. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Courtney B. And who else would like to share? We've got uh, four minutes, so maybe two two two-minute shares. Hi, this is Wendy M. Wendy? All right, go ahead, Wendy. Hi, good morning. It's Wendy M., recovered in Colorado, and so excited to share on this. And, Monica, thank you for your service today. Um, Oh, my lordy, yes, absolutely. The bright spot of my day. Um, And who would have thunk it, you know? Who would have thunk it? Because before program, people were messy. You guys were getting in my way. Um, I had no time for you. I had to do what I was going to do. Um, and I couldn't be bothered. I could not be bothered. And I remember even in my first 16 years when the phone would ring, I would kind of cringe, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I have time for that person. And today I'm just waiting for that phone to ring. I can't wait to pick up that phone. Um, it is the bright spot of my day. And the, re- the, the real reason is because I'm of maximum usefulness on a daily basis. Um, and I was never useful to anybody for anything. And today I can look myself in the eye. I can look at others in the eye. I'm so proud of myself. And it's not me. It's just God working through me. And every time, some, every time I'm talking to somebody, I cannot be in self because I can't be in self and simultaneously be listening and caring for another person. I cannot be in self. And this is the death of self. Thank God, the destruction of self. Thank God. And that's the freedom I get. So yesterday I get a call and I, it's, you know what? It's exactly what I needed to hear. And I was of service to this woman and it felt fabulous. And at the same time, I heard exactly what I needed to hear for my program. You know, and that's how it works. I step up and I'm of service. And God kicks in and God takes care of all of us. Um, so I just love helping other other compulsive overeaters, absolutely. And my sponsor, she, she, she took me through the steps very quickly. And she said, we've got to go fast because you need to get to that bright spot. You've got to start sponsoring. And that's what I do with my sponsees. We work very quickly so we can get them recovered so they can be useful themselves and feel the joy and the glee that I feel every day when I can be useful to another. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy M. And we have come to the end of our time so quickly here this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Carrie H., can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Monica. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your path. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.